Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Mace Martinez and Keelan McNamara, and this is your podcast for the latest in MMA. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. Mace Martinez, I don't think that's going to happen, because those are two of the hottest divisions in the, in the UFC right now. I'm Keelan McNamara. He is here to stay. And I see him being a huge problem. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Well, guys, um, we have a big podcast ahead of us. Lots of breaking news. In fact, the first thing we're going to be talking about today, which let's go ahead and get into it, just broke about an hour, two hours ago. Devastating news. Leon Edwards versus Hazmat Chimaev is not happening. Yeah, well, so the reason it's not happening is because uh, Chimaev is out due to lingering uh, issues stemming from COVID-19. So um, obviously the health of Chimaev should be the number one priority for everybody. Uh, this virus is serious and it, it affects people differently. I know we've talked about this before. Um, like I had it back in July. It wasn't that bad for me. You know, besides no taste and no smell, I was good. Um, you know, for Chimaev, it's obviously a different case. Um, it must have gotten pretty bad for this guy if it's still affecting him. Um, it's disappointing that the fight is off, but uh, like I said, that should be the least of anyone's concerns. As far as Edwards goes, I know they're trying to find him uh, an opponent. Um, so I think, I, I know Dana said something earlier about that he has two welterweights to coach tough, and I'm assuming that that is Masvidal and Covington. Yeah. Uh, that didn't come out yeah. yet, but I'm assuming that's who it's going to be. Um, if it's not Masvidal for some reason, I'd love to see him in there against Leon. You know, obviously they have the bad blood and they had that uh, backstage altercation a while back. So, uh, and Leon's number three right now, Masvidal's number four. So, I mean, the winner could definitely be in line for a title shot uh, if they, if that fight goes down. Um, <clears throat> and if it's not Masvidal, then maybe Wonderboy uh, at number five. You know, Thompson would be down for it. Um, he wants to get back in the title picture. You know, I went there for Fredwards, gets him a title shot, I think. Uh, Wonderboy wants to be in the title picture, so a win there for them helps out quite a bit. I don't know if he gets a title shot after after that win, but it helps out quite a bit. Um, so if I'm the UFC, it's one of these two guys as a replacement for me. Uh, and of course, if, if neither of those guys can make it, I don't know if they want to keep Edwards on a, on the March card. So if that's the case, then it's going to be somewhat short notice for these these uh, potential opponents. And if they can't make it, then you always have. Kiesa lingering right there at number six. So I think he'd jump all over that opportunity if they gave it to him. Um, and he's looked good re- uh, recently. So, yeah, just but I mean, as far as Chimaev goes, it's it's unfortunate, man. It sucks because this is a fight uh, we, we definitely need to see. Yeah. Um, just to start off with this, obviously, I'm as disappointed as all of us are in the community. We were even saying before we came on how much of a fight this is that we want to see. But of course, I do want to echo Jack and Mesa's sentiments about Kamzmat Shemaev's health. Obviously, that is number one. And I'm sure we all send our best wishes to him and his team. The one angle that this is strange to me, though, is why this fight would be made knowing that he was still suffering from this. I can only assume Shemaev's camp thought he would make it out the other side before the fight came about. So... That's a little confusing to me why they would build up such a highly anticipated fight knowing he's going through what he is. But it's a massive bummer. You know, there's no, there's, there's no better way of articulating it. It just is. It's one of the top welterweight 
fights we want to see. And it, I get Kabi Tony vibes from it now, and that it might just never ever happen. It just seems cursed from the beginning. But yeah, as May said, I'm actually thinking along very similar lines to him. All might not actually be lost. My initial thinking when I saw this news, aside from complete and utter devastation and heartbreak, was is Jorge Masvidal going to jump back into the mix here? You know, this fight would need no introduction. Three-piece and a soda. We know the history that lies behind this. Um, and I think it would be a cracker of a fight as well. I think it would be a genuinely amazing matchup in the octagon. Unfortunately, though, as Mace also correctly said, Dana has, of course, come out today and he said that he's looking at two welterweights to coach the new series of The Ultimate Fighter. We do believe that is Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington, which will be brilliant, but it would mean Masvidal just can't step in. In the event that that is what happens to be the truth, I do think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson would be a fantastic fight here. You know, Wonderboy's on a resurgence in welterweight to come in against Edwards. I think it would be a very, very good matchup and it would have legitimate title implications as well because we all know how tough Leon Edwards is and if if Stephen Thompson got past him, he's right in the mix in the top five and he could get one more shot at the title by going through Edwards. Of course, if Edwards comes back and he puts on a dominant display against Wonderboy, I think that solidifies his title shot in the next two, three fights, regardless of who the champion ends up being. So ultimately, it's absolutely a bummer, no doubt about it, but we'll try and make the best of what we can from it. And hopefully these are hopefully one of the angles we've outlined is what comes to fruition eventually. Yeah, I'm very excited for uh, what the welterweight division has to offer. You guys all said it. I want to say it just to make to make the circle. Chimaev's health is the priority here. COVID is devastating, has been for a long time, and it's just more than for our, our sake of not getting to see the fight. It's just it's terrible for his sake that he has to deal with um, the complications that he's having to deal with. May said it great. Everyone has it. Uh, differently it's some people can go and it doesn't affect them other people there's different strains of it as well and he obviously it, it hasn't been it hasn't been good um so hopefully he does feel better and um kind of going off of that Keelan, i think what you said was a uh, really really uh smart with, with uh, the only reason they would have booked this fight knowing that he still was dealing with it is if they thought he could get over it within the time span which yeah. really he might have been able to and if, if you look at what COVID has done for a lot of people, you think, okay, he would be able to get past it. He, unfortunately he has not, which is actually pretty scary. So I hope he does get past it as soon as possible. Obviously one of the biggest contenders um, in welterweight, middleweight, whatever division he wants to fight at coming up. So hopefully he does get to fight as soon as possible in 2021 safely. That being said, um, this fight is done. This fight's never going to happen. I, really, I said this on one of the early podcasts we did with Mace whenever they canceled it the second time. I went, this was, I've been wanting to see it for so much, but ever since that first one got called off like that, and then the second one got called off, I just I had no hope for it to ever happen. Um, just for, for a reason like this. And now I think they officially said they're not going to try and rebook the fight, but it's just it's another Habib Tony. It's another... Uh, I don't even know. A, a lot of other fights. Matt Brown, Donald's, uh, not Donald's running, but um, who, who you just fight? 
I don't Charles even remember. Yes, 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 Carlos Con. Yes, sorry, my bad. Another one of those fights. That one eventually just happened, but it's another one of those fights. It's never going to happen, which is so disappointing to see. But the beauty of the UFC, the beauty of the welterweight division is there are a lot of options available. Leon Edwards has a dangerous road no matter what. He might have just dodged a bullet with Chimaev, but what he's turning into, and I think the fight that will happen, is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Whether it's in March or whether it's uh, on a later date where they can both prepare evenly, Stephen Thompson is a revived person now. He looks so good. He looks so fresh and ready to go. He's dangerous. He's vintage Stephen Thompson. He's sending down on his punches. Leon Edwards has been inactive. When you're, an in, when you're uh, relatively inactive for, it's been a bit over a year now, I think, and you're going to fight a guy, Stephen Thompson, who is just, a lot of guys don't even have the time to get in the fight ready for. Um, that's a dangerous opponent. Uh, a, a, another guy, which if that fight falls through, if they're trying to book it really quick, Michael Chiesa lurking right there. There. That's another dangerous matchup because, you know, Kiesa wants to get it to the ground. If Leon Edwards can't manage the octagon perfectly in that fight, he will get strangled. It's a dangerous position for Leon Edwards. A lot of exciting fights. But if Leon Edwards goes in there and beats either one of those guys, which personally I would be surprised with, but if I welcome it. If he does that, then, man, he shoots himself right up. Uh, and, and I'm very excited to see either result of whatever happens. There's a lot that could go down, and Leon Edwards is in a dangerous spot. Spot, but with one win, he's right up there for the title shot again. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just the inactivity is going to be fascinating to see, which is why I really want to see Leon Edwards Chimaev the first time they fought because that was when Chimaev was going fought every other weekend and Edwards hadn't fought for a long time. So whenever they collided there, that would be the ultimate, just whatever happens, which is why, again, it's so disappointing. But a lot can be made of this. I think um, you mentioned Masvidal. The re- only reason I don't say his name is because of not only the ultimate fighter with Colby Covington, but I think that's the fight they've been trying to match up for a while now is Masvidal versus Colby Covington. Um, personally, I want to see that fight as well. That's a, Masvidal and Colby, yeah. they have beef with everybody. They have beef with everybody, especially themselves. So, um, But yeah, Leon, Leon versus Stephen Wonderwood Thompson, that would be a striking clinic. Uh, that would be something you would have to tune in for. Uh, and I think that's the way the UFC is going to uh, go in this situation. Yeah, I think they're going to try their best to find him an opponent because if he doesn't fight in March, uh, man, he's going on two years. Yeah, yeah. Without fighting, I think it was July of 2019 when he fought RDA, so very inactive. And I think they will book this fight again. If if Edwards is, is continues winning – and Chimaev does, and they're going to have to. Because uh, you're not going to uh, de- deny Chimaev a title shot if he keeps doing what he's right. doing. And if Edwards is one of the guys up there in the top five or, or somehow becomes a champion, uh, then, then they're going to fight eventually. Yeah, I think I think Mace makes an excellent point there. It's actually something I didn't even think of. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting to think about. I think in the future perhaps three four years from now if both guys are still top contenders at 170 it will make sense to revisit it but this is where i do agree with jack about shelving it for the moment because there's no point in forcing a fight to happen that just doesn't want to happen it would appear that the gods do not want us to see this fight for some reason i cannot think of why (laughs) but yeah there's so many different interesting routes for leon edwards to take from here 
the Wonder Boy fight would be amazing. I watched his last fight against Jeff Neal live, and I was so impressed by the intensity and the pace that he set. The most recent Wonder Boy that we'd seen was quite happy to counter-strike using that incredibly specialist karate, but to see him come out with the one-twos and the distance management and the teak kicks, it was just so impressive. And I do agree that and Edwards would be an absolute clinic of striking. And then you have Michael Chiesa sneaking his way up the rankings too. Not a lot of people seem to be paying attention to him. And like Jack said perfectly well there, if if Michael Chiesa gets you on the ground, and especially if he gets your back, you're done for and Edwards has to be aware of the threats that are, are around him. And like Jack said, if he doesn't manage every single inch of that octagon perfectly, he could be in deep waters with that fight. So it does come down to on the night, anyone could beat anyone. But each guy's almost a specialist in their own area. And someone, some of their strengths neutralize others and some of their weaknesses are highlighted by the other strengths. So MMA math, yep, basically... Yep. But yeah, I'm so down for all of these fights. Bummed about Shemaev. Obviously, we all wish him well, no doubt about that. But I'm looking forward to see what else could come out of this. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on now. The dark stuff is out of the way. Now we get into the most exciting stuff in MMA, what this podcast is about. Nate Diaz said he wanted to fight at 155. Well, in a matter of days, he has changed his mind. Now he wants to go up to 170 or 185 pounds. What's next for the ever-so-active Nate Diaz? Yeah, who knows what, what's next with this guy, man. I don't know what this – I don't know what Nate is thinking. Like, he goes and he, he's all in at 155, wants to make his return there, and then it's – like you said, he's not wanting 155 anymore. He says 155 is a dead division, and then he calls out two 155ers. Uh, for a fight at 170, which is Poirier and Olivetta. Um, I know him and Poirier were scheduled back in 2018 for UFC 230. Obviously, Poirier got hurt and that fell apart. And I know Nate tweeted something like, uh, "Like if you if you don't make it to war, you lose the war" or something like that. So there's a little bit of history there between them, and 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 they've gotten under each other's skin at at some point. Um, I like the callouts because. He's not calling out guys. I mean, he's calling out winners. He's not calling out people that are just getting their asses beat all over the place. He's calling out Poirier who just knocked down McGregor and only better who just destroyed uh, Ferguson and, and on a great win streak. So the callouts aren't that bad. Obviously, Charles isn't interested. I think I think Poirier is interested. Uh, like he said, he likes the idea of fighting at his natural weight. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think Poirier is after the money fight right now. I think he feels like he is the yeah. champion of the, of the 155 yeah. division. Um, I don't, I think he, he doesn't feel like he has anything to prove. So whether it's the McGregor trilogy or the fight with Nate, I think he's after that money fight. Um, um, not fight with, with Diaz at 170 or a win over Diaz at 170 does nothing for the title picture. So, um, and then if somehow Nate beats Poirier, which is a possibility, um, then that throws a monkey wrench in the 155 division for sure. Uh, at that point, I think if Nate was willing to drop down to 155, he could be in line for a title shot if he was to beat Poirier. Um, but just Nate seems kind of delusional to me, man, to, to say that not only about 155, but even at 170, so there's nobody there, there's nobody exciting. Like, I think that's kind of Nate's way of just, I don't think he, he's good enough to make a run at a title on it anymore, whether it's a 155 or 170. I think that's kind of his way of staying out of that conversation. Like, he'll, he'll pick fights here and there. He, he wants money fights as well. 
But if if people are hoping to see Nate come back and make a run at 155 or 170, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen because those are two of the hottest divisions in the, in the UFC right now. So to uh, to make comments like that about him is just crazy. Nate Diaz is such a ridiculously abstract concept to get a hold of. I mean, I, I just have no idea what he is thinking at any moment of any day. To be honest with you, I think Nate Diaz is a one-man, like a, a psychological jackal and hide. And it, it, it just depends on what he wants to do and who he thinks of calling out. You know, one thing Nate Diaz is incredibly clever at is keeping himself relevant. He's very, very smart at doing that. I don't think anybody would deny him that. I certainly wouldn't. But, you know, I think it was on a Monday. He came out, and it might have been Daryl Hawani. And like he said, he said, I'm going to go down to 155. I want Poirier, I want Oliveira. And we were all like, that's cool. We want to see Nate there, you know, black belt in jiu-jitsu against someone like Oliveira. you telling me yeah. no one wants to see that? Of course we want to see that. And then on like the Wednesday or the Thursday, he said 155 is dead. I want to fight at 165. I want to fight at 170. And then he's calling out 155 is to fight at 170. Nothing about him makes any sense. I mean, as much as I like Nate Diaz and as much as I love Nick Diaz as well, I honest to God think Jorge Masvidal, not the bejesus <laughs> side of him at UFC 244. I don't think he knows what weighs up anymore. Because you cannot take that level of punishment and still have cognizant thoughts in your head. You just can't. Add to that what we all know his big side hustle is, and I don't think he is a perfect picture of anything at the best of times. But, you know, I love Nate Diaz. I think Mace is right. I don't think he has enough gas to make a title run at either division. I mean, he was even putting the BMF title fight, and every round was a 10-8 round to Masvidal. So he's, he's in a very, very sticky position here because he does not have anywhere near enough clout to fight for a title, yet he's a big enough name to draw these guys out. Uh, you know, calling 155 is up to 170, never going to happen. Let's just be clear about that. That's not going to happen. Oliveira, I think, would fight him at 55 just for the challenge, but he's not going up to 170, not a chance. Poirier, like me, said, I think he's more receptive to it Let's, let's not forget they were meant to get it on once before and it fell through. So I do think Poirier is interested in the history in that fight before. And obviously they've talked a lot of smack to each other now and again. So I think Poirier would be receptive to it. But the only fight for me that makes any kind of sense for Nate Diaz at this point is the trilogy with Connor. I don't think he has enough clout to pull any other big fight off because what Nate Diaz is very quickly becoming, he's fading into just becoming a name with no substance behind him. Where it was the Connor fight before, um, all right, yes, it was Michael Johnson, but you know he absolutely demolished Michael Johnson, got the call out, it worked, and then he became the biggest he's ever become in his life ever in, in the UFC. So what he needs is to start getting wins behind him because you know I think people are starting to rightly get fed up of him talking now and just not showing up anymore so you know if he wants to show up at 155 or 170 and fight someone all well and good but he needs to start fighting again um, as I said only fight for me personally that makes sense is McGregor and that should be at 155 
because Connor, for all the universe's criticisms of Connor, and there are many, Connor did go up to his weight twice with no questions and did, in my opinion, beat him three to two the second fight. So the this, the third fight has to happen at 55. Throw a BMF belt in there or whatever if you want, but we need to see him fight again. As for this calling out of 55 is at 70s, it just literally makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, he's not he's not done with the he's not done with the division. He's just done making weight in it. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, my my only thing that I kind of want to add on, uh, and, and Keelan, you did a great job, but think about how long ago that was. Michael Johnson, what was that? 2015, early 2016. Uh, and then, and then, and then he fought uh, Connor at 196, um, and then the second time I believe that was 202. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he fought Masvidal like a year ago, about uh, for the BMF of all that. Yeah, that was 2019. Um, and then he's just kind of been sitting around. He did fight Anthony Pettis in there at 230, I think. And that was, I think that was the one Dustin Poirier was supposed to. So he, I forgot about that one. But really, he hasn't been that active, especially as of late. And he hasn't been winning as much as of late either. Um, he's still a very talented fighter on the ground. I, lo- I would love that Oliver matchup because those guys, if that went to the ground, that would just be some of the best grappling exchanges you will ever see. Oh, no, um, but I, I agree with Mace. I don't think he wants to cut the weight. I don't think he wants to go down to 155. And when you look at the killers that are there right now, I don't think the Dustin Poirier fight will happen. Dustin Poirier said he's interested in that, but and I want to kind of save this topic for the next podcast because we can go way more in detail with it. But it seems like Connor Dustin three is about to be booked and 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 sealed, um, which I think that would be for the title. And Dustin Poirier overall, he wants the title because he thinks he's the rightful champ right now, which in reality kind of is. Um, Oliveira, he's kind of in this awkward spot where we think he needs one more fight, but he doesn't really know if he wants to fight one more time or not. We went a long discussion about that uh, in the a, in a podcast before. That fight would be fun. If, if Oliveira wants to say, hey, let's let the title situation work itself out. I'm next in line. I'll go up and fight Nate. Why not? I would love that. Why not? Uh, 170. He did also mention in the interview he would be – he mentioned the middleweight division. No way. If he goes up to 185, he can compete against any of those guys. Too big, too powerful. 170 or if they do a catch weight, 165 is where Nate will fight. Um, and there are there are some good good matchups. For me, Kaylin, I think you're right. Connor DS3 would be a sensible option, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think – if Oliveira decides to go up to 170, that's kind of what I want to see. But overall, I don't know if any of these fights will happen, or if they do, it'll be down the road. I don't see anything really getting put together that quickly. I think this is just kind of Nate Diaz saying, hey, I'm still here. I'm, I'm Nate Diaz. I'm still here. But all of those divisions have kind of moved on. And saying they're dead divisions is definitely just kind of standing back a little bit and wanting the money fight, not getting in because 155 and 170 are the most stacked divisions I think the UFC has ever had in the history of the UFCs. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Just kind of ETS on the fringe of fighting again. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Arrow. He wants to fight two to four times this year, two minimum, four maximum, <clears throat> but he's only got two opponents in mind. And one of them is not interested. He, he just said that today. Charles did so. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, if Charles ain't in it and, and, you know, he's got Poirier, then who else? Then maybe it is Poirier McGregor that'll get a run at him. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, this is what I was just saying there a minute ago about Nate. You know, it's all well and good barking and letting people know that you're here and you're here, but he has no clout to be calling the shots. This is the thing, Nate Diaz in his mind, this is still 2016 and he can call for anybody that he wants. If you're not willing to cut the weight and like me said, you want to fight four times, but you only have two opponents in mind, like the most basic mathematics that there is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to end up badly for Nate because if Nate plays his cards wrong, and let's be honest, history's not really on his side here, is it? He he could end up talking himself out of both divisions. Because like Jack and Macy both said, absolutely, and I fully agree with you, 155 and 170 are the most popping they've been. And I think they're the two most popping divisions the UFC has right now. And more importantly, they've both moved on from Nate Diaz. Every matchup that he could make, they're all engaged in something else. Like Even if you wanted to go back with Masvidal, there's no point. Masvidal smashed him. And he's getting mixed up in the title picture. So Nate's got to be very very careful here because he could end up talking himself out of everything yep absolutely now let's go ahead and move on to some bellator news uh we usually we, we don't cover bellator as much because well one bellator not too much has been going on since the the start of the new year but some absolutely massive news probably the biggest news in the company's history just got released a couple days ago they will be hosting a light heavyweight tournament in which one of the opening fights is going to be Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero. A lot of other fighters competing in it as well. What are we thinking about this one, guys? Yeah, I think it's a great tournament that they're putting together. Uh, I think it starts April 9th with Bader and Machida and then uh, Corey Anderson. And uh, I can't even say that dude's last name. I'm not even going to try. But and then the 16th, the following week, is, is Nemkov and Phil Davis and then Rumble and Romero. So, I think it's going to be fun and exciting. The only thing I would have done differently is put Rumble and Romero in a different matchup to start, you know, so you could, you could see those guys meet maybe in the semifinals or even the finals. Um, obviously, if you do that, you run into the, the chance of them getting beat uh, before that, but, but you schedule them against each other. Now, definitely one of them is getting beat, so one of them is going to be out of the tournament. Um, that's probably the only thing I would change about the, the, the layout of the tournament. Um, if I'm being honest, I think the UFC should consider putting some of these together, man. It's it's exciting, and and the rankings really they don't mean too much anymore in the UFC. Uh, the, the 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 reputation of the rankings is is going downhill, in my opinion. It has been for a long time, but can you just imagine the tournaments that they could put together at 45, at 55, at 70, and uh, and then you know you 185 at 205, and then 35. Wait, yeah, it it would be insane. So I love what Bellator's doing. Um, it's going to generate a lot of interest, a lot of money. So it's good for Scott Coker and those guys over there, man. Uh, UFC needs to at least consider it because it gets it gets eyes on the sport quick. Man, this is just my mind's officially blown by Scott Coker. I think this is a fantastic business move by Bellator. I'm getting pride flashbacks already. <laughs> Not like Fedor, Rampage, Liddell, all of them. No, I love this. I think this is very, very smart. I think Scott Coker's played free agency very cleverly. A lot of people, whenever we saw that UL Romero was released and a couple of other guys, a lot of people were questioning why take the risk. UL was very unimpressive in his last few fights, very gun shy. Why take the risk? 
this is obviously the ace that Scott Coker had up his sleeve the whole time. And I think it's a very, very smart play on his part. My only concern with it is the concern that Mace shares with me. I don't like putting Rumble Johnson and Romero in the first round. You know, the matchmaking makes no sense. That's a fight worthy of any final. Why, you know, completely blow it in the first round where one of them now has to go out? You know, match one up against Phil Davis and the other against the Dagestani gentleman and then have them fight through that way. But, you know, as for the whole concept, I love it. You know, Ryan Bader's looked like a new man since going to Bellator. Leota Machida is one of my favorite fighters ever, a legend in every sense of the word. Yep. And yep. It's, it's a truly stacked tournament, which I like. You know, there's no guy there who isn't there in merits. They all have legitimacy behind them and they're all tough as hell. So I think it's very, very clever. And I fully agree with Mace again on this. This is something the UFC should be looking at. Over the last three to four years, especially, rankings have lost a lot of the legitimacy that they deserve to have. You know, guys with bigger names, leapfrogging guys who've earned shots and so on and so forth. And long titles clogging up divisions. You could do a tournament for every single weight class in the UFC right now. And I mean every single one of them. And it would be amazing. 135, we covered this last week, how stacked it is. 145 would just be incredible. Look at what we've just talked about with 55 and the guys who are up there. Welterweight, every single guy in the top 10 is a killer, let alone top eight. You know, 185, if Adesanya stays at 205, excellent way to sort through the pack and get new rankings and get a new king there. 205, Adesanya is the favorite, but a lot of killers there too. You know, Dominic Reyes, we could argue, beat the GOAT. And then he got flatlined by Jan Blakovic. You have all these guys in the circle going on. Clear that out. And then heavyweight, you know, we just have so many different things going on there. The rise again of Volkov, we have Ngannou, Miocic, Jones, who we all want to see. So I think the tournament format's a very clever play by Scott Coker. It's obviously one he's used before for heavyweight with Fedor and Chael Sonnen and so on and so forth. So I got to give him props. I think it's a very clever use of it. And like Jack, you just said there, I think this is the biggest news in the industry in the new year. Very, very clever announcement by Scott Coker. Props to him. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is huge. Uh, not only is it just a tournament, everything you guys mentioned, it's a good tournament as well. Heavyweight, it, it was fun. It was fun and everything. I also think they did one for um, their featherweight division. I could be wrong. But the, 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 heavy one, the heavyweight one was fun uh, and everything. But it's a lot of the older guys. Uh, Chael Sonnen fighting at heavyweight. It's not going to get the most uh, attention. But now you have light heavyweight. And you have Yolo Romero. Still, even though he's in his 40s, one of the toughest guys on the planet fighting Anthony Johnson, who hasn't fought for a while, but looks massive and ready to go. Um, other guys on that, Phil Davis, who has been incredible in Bellator, uh, very good at wrestling. Ryan Bader uh, was their champion for a while. Leo Machida, one of the best to ever do it. Absolute legend. Um, and Corey Anderson, who who everybody kind of forgot about since the Yoel Romero and Anthony Johnson news. He was the big signing. Yeah. And then it kind of got pushed to the side because of, because of these two guys. So a lot of names on there, uh, a lot of amazing fights. Um, I, I think all of us would want Anthony Johnson, Yoel Romero to 
at least be a semifinal. Uh, probably the final is what we would want. But I do understand why they booked it in the first round because you don't know anything in mixed martial arts. You don't you, – you try and predict fights, anything – can happen. We've seen it time and time again. The odds could be completely against one fighter. Champion could be your champion for all time and then lose to somebody who they shouldn't have even considered about even competing against the champion. So anything can happen. Uh, Anthony Johnson hasn't fought in a long time. Uh, Yo Romero, last time out, did not look that great. We don't think they're bad fighters. We think matching them up is that's what you want to see. We think they're probably going to be the best in that division, but you never know. Uh, especially with a guy like Corey Anderson and, and Phil Davis, good wrestlers that could pose a real problem to guys like Anthony Johnson, the, the guy from Dagestan. There's just a lot of good killers there. So I do, although I would love to see it in a later round, you don't know anything for sure. And if you're Bellator, you cannot miss out on this fight. No matter what, you cannot miss out on the fight. So I, I think it is the right decision to make it in the first round because you have to have it. That's the moneymaker right there. That's what makes everybody watching is Yo Romero, Anthony Johnson. That is the fight. So I do understand why they put in the first round. I think it's the, the right decision. And overall, it's just going to be awesome to watch. The UFC, I you know, it's interesting. It's a very interesting. I hadn't even thought about it until you guys said it. Um, But I don't know about – I feel like Dana White already gets a lot of um, – feedback from fighters already about pay and everything else i feel like if you went to a champion not necessarily a champion like Piotr Jan or or um or, or maybe i don't know i don't even know but um if you went to a champion like kamara usman and said all right your division is now up for grabs we're doing a tournament i don't know that would go over so well um I feel like if you do divisions like 155 right now, where there's no actual champion, you have a bunch of contenders there. That's the perfect candidate for a tournament. That would be amazing. Um, I would say also uh, 185, potentially 205, depending on what happens. Those are perfect divisions to do a, a, a tournament with. Um, but I don't know if there's been a long champion, uh, a long champion that's been reigning, if it would go over so well. I also wouldn't like to see, I mean, heavyweight, there's a lot of good fights to make for sure. But Stipe, I think, has earned his right to be champion. And I wouldn't like to see that taken away. Um, I, unless they, I don't even know, but that's just kind of what I'm thinking about. I'd love to see if I would actually like that for the new format. If there's ever a vacant title in the UFC, they do a tournament for it. That would be amazing. If that was the standard going forward, instead of choosing who's the biggest name to put up there. So amazing overall, forget all of that overall, amazing job by uh, Bellator to put this together. All of MMA is talking about it and they, they have an event that everyone will be watching. So credit to Bellator all the way through. Yeah, you made some excellent points. And, and I agree with you. I don't think I would want to see like Stipe or, or Amanda Nunes or somebody be forced yeah. to defend their title like that. But like you said, and with a situation like the 55-pound division right now, even with the 185, or maybe even with the Amanda Nunes, because she is a champ champ. So maybe you, you go to them and say, hey, what division do you want to stick to? And we're going to, yeah. we're going to put a tournament. You can't really do that with 145 for the females because there is no 145. But like Adesanya and, and the perfect timing right now for the 155 division, you have a champ that is trying to retire if the yeah. if let him. Um, so yeah, that'd be. And then you got questions about does McGregor deserve it? Probably not after getting his ass whooped like he did. Poirier should be there. Oliveto wants in. Not many think he should get it. A lot of them think he should get it. Gagey's still there. Yep. I mean, 155 is the division. If they were going to have one, uh, it would be that division. And another thing you mentioned, 
uh, booking Romero and, and Rumble first for the two points you made there. And, and of course, yeah, they need that fight. That, that's going to be a big fight for the promotion. Um, and I guess the other thing, too, would be if you, like you said as well, things happen in martial arts. And if you match them two up against two completely different guys and they both get beat, well, then they're both out and there's no one really, not, not, not really a major draw yeah. On, on the next uh, the next go round, so uh, two good points you made there. So we'll see how it plays out. I think it's going to be Bader and against Rumble or or Romero. I think is what's going to go down. Yeah, um, I fully agree. And like Miss, I agree with everything you've said, Jack. I think you made some very good deviations through that too. The more I th- think about it, the Romero Johnson matchup in the first round, I do think is to get asses and seats. Yeah. Perhaps that's we just yep. never thought of from Scott Coker. And let's not forget, you know, Yoel Romero has pretty much murdered himself trying to cut to 185. He doesn't have to cut weight anymore. Yep. He's probably going to have even, if you can imagine, even more power and strength than he had before, which is just an even more terrifying prospect than he even was ever. Anthony Johnson, in one of his fights in the UFC, I can't remember off the top of my head, he knocked someone out and I thought they were dead. That's how much power this man carries. That's going to be like um, King Kong and Godzilla meeting each other in the middle of Bellator octagon. Yeah. So that that actually does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, you have Ryan Bader, who's a champ champ in Bellator. Very, very, very good wrestler. As I said, looked like a new man over there. Perhaps he just needed a new change of scenery. Leota Machida actually has somewhat of a decent record against wrestlers. He's kind of a sniper-type karate fighter, so very, very interesting angle in there. And all around, all those guys are amazing. And I definitely think that, especially like you actually said, Jack, especially if having these crappy-ass interim title fights, just get the top six or the top eight together, have a big tournament. Yeah. Especially in a division with no champion, you're going to have a lot of egos who think they each have claims of the throne put them all in there sorted out and we'll see who comes out on top i definitely absolutely think 155 is peak for that and um, what surprises me is that poirier doesn't seem to want the title he seems to be happy to let other guys fight it out which is a little strange to me but that's his prerogative 155 would be amazing for that i think 205 and 185 well, 205 depends yeah. if Alessandra beats Blackovich, which I think he will. 185 is perfect for that because you've got guys like Darren Till, Marvin Vittori, who he's actually fighting next. You have all those guys up there who are going to get a clear shot at the crown. We might see the best of them if it's in a tournament and they're unhinged with someone like Alessandra looming over them in that picture. 205, I think of Alessandra he gets the title, I think he'll hold on to it for a long time, so that may or may not make sense, depending on how it works out heavyweight, I think you could also argue either way, I do agree with the Stipe argument, but just the amount of knockouts we'd see would just be highlight reel, and yeah. Derek Lewis might be like money in the bank and get the title, <laughs> which would be amazing but yeah, um, massive props to Scott Coker for me, I think it's very, very smart and if Dana and Sean Shelby are watching that news, which you can bet your arse they were, I think they should be considering this. Yeah. Do you have a prediction real quick for uh, the Bellator tournament? Oh, for who will win overall? Or, or just the, the final, who will match up? 
I think smart money says betas in the final. I think a real outside shot from what I've read of it so far, an outside shot could be Rumble. Just because I think if Rumble lands, I think Rumble's like Bellator's and Ghana. If yeah. Lands one shot, you are going out to the next dimension. You know, any of those guys could be in there. I think Bader will be. If I was betting on it, I would bet Bader to be in. And what the hell, I'll say Bader and Rumble Johnson, and we'll get it on from there and see yeah. who wins. Yeah. I don't want to be the referee in that fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely agree. So, no, just uh, massive props to Scott Coker and Bellator. Very, very smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, this is for me the tournament. Uh, it's it's so fascinating. I think he, the winner of Yellow Romero Rumble will be in the final. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say Romero in there. And I think it'll be a competitive fight. I think Rumble, and if he lands one, that could be dangerous. But Yellow Romero is very tough to finish. Uh, and he's going to not be dehydrated or anything too. He's gonna be big. Um, and if he carries even half of the speed that he had at 150, uh, 185, he's going to be dangerous. Plus, his wrestling, I think, is also something that uh, can come into consideration as well for whoever he matches up against in uh, the semifinals. And I don't really know. I haven't looked at the bracket because it's hard, it's hard to predict who will go to the final because it's who matches up against who. Um, but I would actually, uh, Bader's good money. I would say Corey Anderson is another underrated person um, there as well. Very good wrestling. Chen is a bit suspect, but um, if he can piece it together, I think he can make a run. So I'm going to say um, Corey Anderson, Yoel Romero uh, going to the final. That, that's going to be my prediction. That, that, is, a, that is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Now on to the last bit of the podcast. couple predictions coming your way. UFC 258, the welterweight crown is on the line but first, before we predict the main event, the co-main event, Macy Barber versus Alexa Grosso. What are you guys thinking? Uh, for me, I favor I favor Barber in this fight. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how she looks after the year off. Um, obviously, she had the knee injury and she had the surgery to repair it. Um, <clears throat> she suffered that injury against Roxanne. Uh, Barber's one of these young, talented fighters that the UFC is kind of pushing into the spotlight pretty aggressively. Um, especially before that loss. Uh, I think her and her father could have handled a loss a lot better than what they did, uh, you know, t- taking credit away from Roxanne. And in my opinion, Roxanne was beating her up on the feet and on the ground. So yeah, uh, yeah. The just made it that much easier. Um, but, you know, you have to be humble. When, when you victory and in defeat, you know, don't sit there and make excuses. That's why you got your ass beat. Uh, you know, just take the loss and, and move on, fight on. But, uh, you know, obviously she goes by the, the nickname The Future, and I think she could very well be The Future. She's extremely young. She's only 22. And and with that being said, that doesn't have to happen right away. Like, take your time, gain the experience and the knowledge inside the octagon, get some wins under your belt, and, you know, try to ensure that the future that you are going to have is, is, as far as Grosso goes, she's no slouch either. She's, she's fought former champs and 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 current contenders that she's she's lost to, but she's also beaten some former title challengers. So um, she's obviously the more experienced fighter. She's never been stopped on the feet, so that that kind of makes for an interesting dynamic when you consider the the, the ferocity that that Barbara can bring to her while while they're standing up. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a great fight. It's a, it's a good coming event uh, leading up to the main, and I got Barbara by unanimous decision. Yeah, this is a very, very, it's almost a weird fight 
because you know both women have very very good records yet both have been on quite slip not slippery slopes but on very you know rough paths in the last year or two you know macy barber as may summarized excellently you know nicknamed the future very very aggressively thrust into the spotlight a uh, very talented young fighter no question about it but got absolutely dominated by Roxanne Modafferi. I remember watching this fight live and I thought, right, Macy's going to come out, finish this in the first, maybe the second. And I did not expect her to get outboxed the way she did by Roxanne. In pretty much every facet of the game, she got dominated. You know, the boxing she got dominated and the clinch she was dominated on the ground, Roxanne looked far better than her, which really, really surprised me. And, you know, obviously she completely blew her knee out and that is a big concern. We will look to see how she's come back from that. In this fight, I probably favour Alexa Grasso. You know, Alexa, 18-3, and pretty excellent record, really. Had her issues with weight cuts and everything else. Obviously, she now has to fight at 125 for the weight cut issue against Claudia Gadelia. Um. But Alexa Grasso is a very good boxer. You know, she's fast on her feet and she punches very hard. And what really tips the scales against Macy Barber for me is, you know, this isn't no disrespect whatsoever to Roxanne Modafferi. She's a very, very tough woman. But she's the kind of fighter you'd expect a young prospect to beat. And, you know, any, any fighter can lose any fight in any night. This game's taught us that more than anything. But to get dominated for such a unanimous decision against Roxanne Modafferi is very, very concerning to me. And, you know, Alexa Grasso is also a very precise striker, was being very aggressive. She could also look to target that knee and test it. We don't know what it's like, especially after having a year off. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. Both women need a big performance from this, I think, to keep themselves in the mix and in the picture. I think Alexa Grass is going to get a knockout. I think Macy's going to come out aggressively looking to prove a point, perhaps get some early success on the ground. But if she doesn't finish it in the first round, expect Alexa Grasso to come out aggressively. And I think she'll knock her out in the second round. Wow. All right. That's that's an interesting prediction. I, I don't know. I... I was actually before, before you guys started talking, I was favoring Macy Barber, but now I'm leaning towards Alexa Grasso. Um, and, and it's because of what you guys said, but it's also, I saw this quote from her earlier today as well. And it, she was talking about how she wants to be the youngest UFC champion. And she thinks she can do that before the end of the year. If she beats Alexa Grasso and then goes on and she already called out a name, Joanne Calderwood, and then get the title shot. That's dangerous for me. History proves me right. Whenever a fighter is looking, not necessarily, I don't know if she's looking past Alexa Grasso, but talking about past the fighter that they have in front of them does not go their way. I think that's kind of what went wrong with her whenever she fought Roxanne. She was so, she definitely lost that fight. And whenever it didn't go her way, she was so shocked by it. I'm the young fighter. There's no way I could lose to Roxanne, that I think that's another th- reason that went into her handling of that loss. And it could go the same way. I think it's going to go the same way. Macy Barber has all the potential to become a future champion once Valentina Shevchenko retires. But um, she could, it, it takes time. It takes time 
you have to fight the, the best fighters, uh, shape your performance to become that champion. It's a very rare, in fact, it's been done one time by John Jones, that a fighter, so I, I guess Anderson Silva as well, can come in there and just completely dominate and become the world champ, especially in a division like that. It's so t- tough. You're, fight, you're facing a girl, Alexa Grasso, who's very good as well, very talented. A quote like that just makes me very, very nervous for her going into a fight whenever she's saying, I, I can win the title in this year. I'm going to lay it out for you. Not really even mentioning Alexa Grasso's name. Just it seems like she's already passed her, that she knows she thinks she's a better fighter overall than Alexa Grasso. And she's like, all right, on to the next one already. Watch what I'm going to do. On to the next one. You got to be 100% focused on the opponent because like we've been talking about this entire podcast, you never know in mixed martial arts, the beauty of the sport, anything can happen. One punch could land. Um, I think it'll be back and forth, but I think Alexa Grasso will catch her off guard because she'll be tougher than Macy Barber will think. I got Grasso by a decision. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. we've managed to stun Mace into <laughs> silence. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Um, sorry, Miss. Did you want to say something? Whatever you said changed his mind, Keelan. Whatever you, whatever you said, something clicked to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, just real quick on this fight, it's very, very interesting. You know, obviously I've outlined my opinion on how I see it going, and I do base that as well on Macy's quote. I did see that earlier today, and it did tip it even more for me. You know, to me, when flyweight women's is almost like men's featherweight. You know, I don't see anyone laying a four-ounce glove on Valentina Shevchenko for a long, long time you know, she is a cut above the rest, make no mistake. I think Joanne Calderwood could almost become the Brian Ortega of the situation, where she becomes the gatekeeper that just lets no one else into the picture. And it's just them two going at it for a couple of years. Because Joanne Calderwood, to me, is almost like the Scottish Wiley Zhang. She is tough. Yeah. You know, Joanne Calderwood's just not in her last few fights she is just she's got so much heart and so much grit and i think macy barber's pushing herself far too quick far too soon you know i think she is looking past alexa grasso and i think that's a very very dangerous game to play because if she gets knocked out by alexa grasso and even tilting towards embarrassed then she's in danger of falling out of the picture and climbing your way back into the title picture in any division is very, very tough to do. So Macy Barber needs to keep herself grounded before this fight because she, in my opinion, she's got the third toughest woman at 125 in front of her and I would not be looking past Alexa Grasso. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now on to our main event of the evening. The entire pay-per-view built around this fight. Kamara Usman facing what could be his toughest uh, uh, opponent to date, Gilbert Burns. What do you think of this? I think it's going to be good. I, I think these guys, I guess they're friends back in the day, or they're friends now, uh, training partners, obviously. Um, and one thing I found interesting is that Usman saying that this is personal for him. Uh, so uh, that's me. Yeah. Uh, I think Burns will be a good test for him. I still think Usman's toughest challenge at 170 is Colby Covington. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, a, a lot of people find Usman boring, man. Probably, you know, they probably want to see someone new on top at 170, but 
Kamaru is a great champion. You, regardless of what you think of his fighting style, uh, you can't deny the caliber, the caliber of talent that, that he's beaten and the way that he's beaten them. Um, Burns obviously on six fight win streak coming in, coming in. So he beat Woodley's last time out. I don't want to discredit like the Woodley win from him, but the Woodley that Kamaru beat and the Woodley that Burns beat were not the same guy. Yep. Um, but I think that Burns has more ways to finish his fight. And obviously, when you look at his record, he's got subs on there. He's got knockouts on there. Um, so he's got multiple ways to win it. Um, I just don't think he's going to get it done. I think that Usman's going to be too much. Um, I think it's going to go all five rounds. I think it's going to be a decision. I think Usman's going to grind it out. Um, but if Burns is to win, then something else I, I, I found out today that he would be the first Brazilian champion I did see at that. 170 pounds, which is crazy really? to consider uh, how, how many great Brazilians we've had in the sport. Uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Anderson Silva. So, and of course you have Amanda Nunes uh, and, and the list goes on and on with Brazilians, but yeah, they've never held a title at 170, which was shocking to me uh, when I, when I heard that, but uh, every other division they've held the belt. So this would be something big for Brazil. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. Not right now. Yeah, this is, as we said, um, I think last week, this is going to be an unbelievable fight. Make sure you watch this one if you can. I have it as a fight of the year contender, provided both guys do actually end up going at it. You know, Mace, again, absolutely correct. Kamaru Usman's biggest challenge is Colby Covington until you have Colby Covington 2.0. And that's how I have Gilbert Burns described. You know, as I said last week, Colby Covington, when he pushes forward, he punches and boxes for pressure, not for power. He punches and kicks to stop you launching any counter offense. And Kamaru Usman's boxing defense against Colby Covington was porous at best. And let's be clear, Gilbert Burns hits a lot harder than Colby Covington does. And he pressures to me more aggressively than Colby Covington does. Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington comes forward quite tall and he kind of leaves his hands down quite a bit, you know, to sort of push forward with his chest. Gilbert Burns pushes forward quite low, quite aggressive, looking to push his shoulder into you. And he will look to do that against Kamara Usman. But Gilbert Burns is a far better boxer than Colby Covington, in my opinion. And his pressure is more smothering due to the power that he brings in his punches. And, you know, Colby Covington had Kamaru troubled with some of those jabs and not fight many of them. But, you know, we've all seen Gilbert Burns' performance against Demi and Maya. Granted, it's not Kamaru Usman. They're not the same level. But when you see the punches that he's capable of landing and how vicious his power is if he lands that against Kamaru Usman Usman's in trouble especially if uh, Gilbert Burns gets this against the cage which is where he likes to work a lot if he can get some boxing combinations off and Usman can't get out of the way Gilbert Burns does have the power and the stamina to finish this and as me said, Gilbert Burns has got a very, very wide arsenal at his disposal. He's got submission wins, knockout wins, decision wins. He can beat you any way that he wants to. Now, I do think Kamaru Usman gets a lot of disrespect as a champion. I think that's an excellent point to make and very worthy of noting. A lot of people do think Usman's boring because there's a lot of people who don't appreciate how good his wrestling actually is. Personally, I think Usman's one of the most entertaining wrestlers that I've seen. 
just because of how aggressive he is and how much he does bring it. But, you know, he can't afford to stand and bang with Gilbert Burns the way he did with Covington. And Mace made a really interesting point there that that's just been ticking over in my head for a minute. Usman said this fight's personal. Is Gilbert Burns in his head already before this fight? Because I was obviously under the impression that they were friends as well. They were long-term sparring partners that I think whatever gym it was, it might have been AKA or somewhere else. Um, so a part of me has to wonder, is Gilbert Burns winning the psychological war without even trying? And as we all know, when you step in the cage, the psychological war factors in a lot. So I think this is going to be a war. I think it's perfectly capable of going all five rounds. But I have Gilbert Burns winning this. And I'm surprised that the bookies odds have Gilbert Burns as low as they do. I certainly think the odds should be much, much closer than they are. But I expect a really, really good fight here. And my pick is Gilbert Burns, either by late knockout or a decision. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I think kind of starting off with the odds thing, I think the reason those odds are so big and they should definitely not be um, it's because of the way Kamar Usman has dominated, especially the last fight against Masvidal, which a lot of people thought Masvidal was going to go in there and knock Usman out, but really uh, we, there was little chance of that happening. I think a lot of uh, – I, I, I have some frustration with, with the way he performed against Masvidal because I think he could have pressed harder or looked for the finish. He really yeah. didn't even – he kind of played it safe for me, which was kind of aggravating. see a champion do that. That being said, you guys are absolutely right. He deserves everything that he has right now. His style is absolutely suffocating. Um, it, it, he just dominates people. Colby Covington, that was a fantastic fight. I think the only type of fighter, the style of fighter that could challenge him are the type of fighters like Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington, guys with a wrestling background. And not so much Colby Covington, I get, although he is improving, but especially Gilbert Burns. This, the stand-up that he has as well is extremely dangerous. He dropped Tyron Woodley like three times whenever they fought, um, which was actually very impressive. Mace, you nailed it, though, different Tyron Woodley, but that was still the way he completely shut him out um, was very impressive. I don't know. I, I've been flipping on this one. I, I'm leaning towards Gilbert Burns. I love the stand-up, and Usman is not going to be able to just take – Gilbert Burns down, or if he does take him down, I don't think he'll be able to hold Gilbert Burns down. Um, I, I think it'll go back and forth. I don't think that many takedowns will be uh, will be attempted because of just, I think it will balance it out. Um, and then whenever it's on the feet, Usman could land a good shot, but one good shot to three that he would take from Gilbert Burns, I think. And the leg kicks are a big factor as well. Um, from what I've seen, Usman does not take leg kicks very well, especially from Osvidal. Um, he landed like two, and then Usman would clinch right in. Gilbert Burns has some big legs, and those land hard. He's got some big shots. It's going to be fascinating. I think it's going to go to a decision. I think it'll be a very close fight. We could have some people shouting robbery at the end of this one, <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, it's it's very good. Most of the time when the close matchup with two good two good uh, guys to the wrestling background, it's going to be good. It's going to be close. That's why you should tune into this one. Um, and I think I'm going to go Burns by a decision and new for me. Uh, Gilbert Burns is the champ. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, to me, this is the toughest test Kamaru Usman's probably going to face. To me, this is by far the biggest hump in the road welterweight-wise for him. 
if Usman or if Gilbert Burns beats him, there's absolutely no shame in that. We all know how good he is. But if Usman does beat him, then as a welterweight, I'd be very, very concerned because I think he's the leading man to take the title off Usman. And if he can't do it, I'm struggling to see who does. So this fight has far bigger welterweight implications than just its immediacy. Do pay attention to the background of this guys because this could have very, very wide-ranging consequences for 170 as well. Colby. Yeah, that, that's the only other guy besides Burns for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Make sure to go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, listen on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We are there. Leave a review where you can. Um, follow us on Instagram at MMA Island and check out all of our great work, especially Keelan and Mace on our website, MMAisland.net. Thank you guys again so much for listening and amazing podcast, guys. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in.